Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to get started on our Palm Sunday message. I've titled this Palm Sunday to the Cross. Palm Sunday to the Cross. If you don't have an outline, uh, just raise your hand and we'll get you an outline this morning. We have plenty of them to go out, so uh, we have the scriptures listed there for you. I make it really easy. Put them on the outline as well as typically on the uh, PowerPoint. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the journey that Jesus made to the cross. But before we go there... How many know that hindsight is always 2020? Amen? Uh, have you ever heard of this term called a Monday morning quarterback? You know, somebody that, somebody that can go back and tell you all the things that they should have done on Sunday during a football game because on Monday, you know, they can reflect back and look at all the things that went wrong. All of us in our life, I promise you right now, have made decisions, have made choices that you can look back and say, Oh man, if I only would have known now... What, what I know now, what I, what, if I only would have known then what I know now, I would have made a better choice. You don't have to raise your hand because I know every one of you have done those things. I have done those things where you've made decisions, made choices, and later you get to a point going, why did I ever do that? And, or you, know, you fail to take an advantage of maybe a situation where years later, you know, I, I look at, or my dad always tells me this. He goes, man, I should have bought property back in the 70s, you know. And of course we all should have, but maybe some of us here weren't born then. But the point is, it's, it's always a good time, right? You know, properties right now, it just seems like it's ridiculous to go and spend money for them. But I tell you what, in 20 years, you're going to say, that was a bargain, right? It just works that way. So hindsight is always twenty twenty, And again, after time passes, we can look back at certain situations and just realize we made, we made foolish mistakes. Sometimes um, in our generations, in our culture, we could go from a hero to a zero in 60 seconds flat, it seems like. In the sports culture, and I'll throw that out there this morning, it's very common. Uh, three years ago, the San Francisco 49ers had what they called their quarterback of the future. Anybody know who I'm talking about? A guy named Kaepernick. Right now, they can't wait to get rid of the guy. But nobody wants him, apparently. Or they're having a tough time giving him away. But he went from a hero to a zero. People raved about him. And, and here's the reality of things. I, I've seen Willie Mays play to Michael Jordan and you name any sports hero. They will eventually decline and at the end you will see them going, Wow, that's not the hero I remember from 10 years ago. That, that person has lost and diminished the, in their talent and in their skills. And they go from a hero to a zero really quickly in our eyes. And so here... What I want to talk to you about this morning is how Jesus entered into Jerusalem a triumphant hero, a king. And let me set this up for you. Prior to him entering Jerusalem, how many remember the story, the account of Lazarus, how he was raised from the dead? Jesus raised him, right? Remember how Jesus had to call out, Lazarus, rise. You know why he said Lazarus? Lazarus. 
Because if he hadn't, they all would have come out of the grave. All of them. So he had to say, Lazarus, rise. So when he did that, after three days, he came forth. And so Jesus had just finished healing him, raising him from the dead. And the Jewish people at this point in time were complaining. They didn't like the, the news that they were hearing about this Jesus because Lazarus's testimony was causing people to believe in Jesus coming to know the Lord, coming to follow the Lord. See, how many know that your testimony is powerful? You don't have to be a Lazarus raised from the dead to have that powerful of a testimony. I know in my family, I was the first person saved in my family. Um, God spoke to me, and I was at a point in time in my life where I needed to have God because my life was in shambles, and I didn't know where I was going, what direction. And He spoke to me, and He said, This is the plan I have for you. And in turn, a year later, my, my mom got saved, my sisters got saved, my dad got saved, and my brother ten years later got saved. He's a stubborn one, alright? Reuben said amen. He's back there right now. But the point is, God speaks to you, and your testimony is powerful. How many know that? It's powerful. And the reason it's powerful is, nobody can take that away from you. You lived it, you walked it. Nobody can take it away from you. You see, they can sit here and stand here and argue Scripture all day long with you, and and that's not your job either, to argue Scripture with someone. But they cannot argue your testimony, what God has done for you in your life. Amen? Amen. So... Here, this is what's going on. Jesus had had healed Lazarus, raised him from the dead. This report is going out. Many people are beginning to follow Jesus because of this. Many people are just following him because of all these wonderful miracles. And he's coming into Jerusalem on the Passover, during the greatest holy day of the year in the Jewish faith. If you'll stand with me this morning, we're going to read uh, from John chapter 12, and it's on your outline. I want you to stand with me just for the reading of this of the Word. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 13, it says the following, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet Him, and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning, for your word. Your word endures forever, Lord. It never changes. We thank you that, Lord, you sent your Son to die on a cross for for each one of us here today, that we might have eternal life in you. And so, Lord, for that, we can never, ever repay you. But, Lord, we give you our hearts today, give you our souls and our spirits, Lord, today. And we thank you for your word this morning. Bless it and anoint it this morning to our understanding. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. So this is a picture here of Jesus, what they call the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. You see, He comes marching in, and and the Bible describes this scene as people laying down cloaks, laying down palm branches right before Him. It's kind of like watching the Grammys, and the red carpet is laid out, and so-and-so is walking down the red carpet, or the Oscars, or the Emmys, or whatever award show you want to mention. It's the red carpet being laid out as they enter into this awards place 
This is what was going on with Jesus at that moment. They were welcoming him. This was on a Sunday before Easter, the Sunday prior. He was the hero. He captured the the city, the believers and non-believers alike, and they were welcoming him to their city as a king. Amen? So, I want to take you through this journey this morning, during this one week of Jesus' life, from king, from a triumphant king, to the cross. How in the world did he go from a triumphant king to the cross, crucified? Amen. So, again, in in, uh, the week that Jesus was crucified began in tremendous exaltation. I can't emphasize that enough. People were excited. The disciples, they had been walking with them for three years at this point, and they were finally in their minds thinking, this is it. All these three years that, that we've been walking with him, and, and he's washed our feet, and this and that, and, and, and we've seen miracle after miracle. It's finally taking place. It's all going to take place. He's going to be anointed the king of kings. Because see, he was... They were thinking in terms of the physical, fleshly uh, thoughts that he would be on a throne here physically. And see, where we're going to go with this this morning is, God's ways are not always our ways, amen? Or your ways. See, his ways are much different. And he chooses to do things the way he sees best for each of us here this morning. Amen? Have you ever wondered why sometimes things don't go your way? Have you ever thought, well, Lord, I wouldn't have done it that way. That's all of us, right? Because the Lord has a plan and a purpose for each of your lives. That was the connection question this morning. Did you know that? Jeremiah tells us that. It's a promise in his word that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Not to harm you but to give you a hope and a future. And in this example here, Jesus was welcomed as a king, but yet a week later, he was exchanged for a murderer, Barabbas. How did that happen? How did they go from this mountaintop experience, or or Jesus go from that mountaintop experience to this valley low, is, is what it seems like. Is what it seems like. Amen? Does it seem like that sometimes in your life? That... You're going through things, and God's allowing you to go through things, but there's a greater purpose behind that. That's what you have to remember this morning. If you're going through things, there's a greater purpose behind it. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus this morning, there's a greater purpose. Amen? He was being fully recognized and heralded as the fulfillment of the coming Messiah. This was it. All the scriptures in Isaiah, all the scriptures in Zechariah, all the scriptures were coming and, and happening right before their very eyes this, at this moment. But by the end of this week, the majority of these, of these people would ridicule, uh, ridicule excuse me, Jesus, spit on him, mock him, throw insults at our King and Savior at the end of that week. What happened in the course of one week that could drastically turn the hearts of these people away from Jesus? And I want to ask you that this morning too. Is there anything that could come your way that would destroy your faith to the point that you would throw insults at the Lord? God forbid, amen? God forbid. But that's the reality of what took place here. 
That's the reality that took place here. Not only would many of their hearts be turned away, but one of his disciples would eventually betray him. And you know the story. What lessons there are for us to learn from that. It doesn't matter how well placed, how strong your foundation is. Don't become so cocky and sure of yourself. What does the Bible say? Pride comes before the fall. When you become so sure that I could never fall, I could never insult my Lord, be careful. Be careful. None of us, none of us are that strong. You're only strong by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit empowers you to stand strong. The Word of God empowers you to stay strong. Prayer empowers you to live at each and every day. But the moment you say, Lord, I would never do that, be careful. Be very careful. The devil is just right there, and he can. He, remember, he's he's out there seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says, so be careful of that. Again, Jesus enters into Jerusalem, and again, it must have been one of those great moments for his disciples. They must have been so proud. Say, this is this is this is my king right here, and watching him roll into Jerusalem right on a donkey. He's rolling into Jerusalem on a donkey. And here the disciples are probably following right behind him. They're all going, yeah, that's my God. That's my King. That's my Savior. That's who we follow. Yeah, all the miracles that have been taking place. Yeah, it's this guy right here. We've been with him for three years. What have you done lately? You know, they're, they're all probably hyped up and pumped up. And yet all of them, every single one of them, deserted Jesus Christ within a week. Every single one of them. So don't ever, ever say that I would never forsake the Lord. If Peter forsook him, be careful. Amen? Amen. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you will. I'm just saying be careful. Amen? Amen. So the disciples weren't the only ones who had misconceptions about the Messiah. You see, many of the Jews expected him to be an earthly king. They were waiting for him to come in on a great white horse as any leader would, you know, on a, on a horse coming in saying, I'm here to take over and take control. I'm your king, king of kings, right? But no, Jesus came humbly. He came on a, on a donkey, the absolute essence of humbleness. The, the exact opposite of what you and I would have done. We would have got the biggest, you know, horse we could fight. We would have bought a Clydesdale. And we would have marched in on top with the biggest sword we could find and come marching into Jerusalem. I know that. That's our nature. We would have done that. But Jesus chose a donkey to come humbly into Jerusalem. The people there were expecting a new king. They looked forward to him. See, they were expecting Jesus to free them from political oppression, from the Roman rule at that time. They were saying, yes, finally, our king, he's going to set us free from these terrible Romans that have been enslaving us and taxing us and so forth. But no, that was just the thought of the people. Jesus had other plans. His ways, again, are higher than your ways. He has a plan. Amen? As Jesus entered Jerusalem, all eyes turned to him. And the people said, Who is this? Who is this man? And they said with excitement, The prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. See, they recognized him as a prophet, but he was much more than a prophet. Amen? 
So Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, and the people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just real quick, Hosanna means to save. To save. Everybody say, to save. Jesus was the Savior. See, they, they recognized them at that moment. Even the unbeliever, in essence, said, Hosanna. They recognized that he was a Savior, but they all thought he was saving them from political oppression. See, Jesus came to save them from their sins, amen? From their sins that would hold them and keep them from eternity, from, from uh, heaven. So this morning, I want you to get these following points. Number one, on your outline, they received him. The people received him. You see, you have to receive the Lord Jesus for him to do a work in your life. The people thought Jesus was their earthly king and Messiah, and they were gravely mistaken. Jesus entered Jerusalem in humility, riding a donkey. So opposite of what you and I would have done. Jesus received the praise and adoration of the people. Remember how I mentioned from a hero to zero. And again, I'm not trying to make light say that Jesus is a zero. He never was. But in the eyes of the community, in the eyes of the people, he went from here to there in less than a week. But yet they praised him and adored him, the Bible says. The scripture says they received him with open arms. Question for you today is, have you received Him today? During the things that you struggle with every day, the challenges, are you receiving Him and saying, Lord, I need your help today in this, in that? Or do you say, I got this, I can do this, I'm strong enough. Trust the Lord to help you, amen? amen. Trust the Lord to help you. Number two, they were taught by Him. This is immediately what Jesus does after he entered Jerusalem. Jesus was known as a teacher, as a great teacher, filled with wisdom beyond measure, yet human just like us, but he was a teacher at his core, and he wanted to teach the people these principles. The Bible shows him, and I want to read the scripture in Luke chapter 19, verses 45 through 47, what Jesus did upon entering the temple, the very first thing he did when he got into Jerusalem, he went straight to the temple to worship. And here, find what he says. It says, then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he kicked these people out, overturned tables. How many remember that passage where he throws tables out? All the bingo tables went flying everywhere. All the lotto tables went flying everywhere. God forbid. Amen. He was straightening out his house. That is a reminder to each of us. Sometimes we got to straighten out our house. If the Lord Jesus were to physically today at one o'clock walk into your house, would you have to hold him up at the door and say, Lord, give me five minutes while I straighten things out in here? God forbid, right? God forbid. I'm just saying. Just saying. Sometimes we need to straighten out our, our house. And the Lord will speak to you. 
Uh, how many know that when you first became a believer, there were things and, and uh, maybe things that were um, idols that God wanted you to remove out of your life, right? Because they took the place of God. And He wants you to straighten out your house and move those things out. For me, I, I know back in, in the day, I had so much music that was... Um, I mean, I had... I attended KISS concerts. I know I'm that old. I know I don't look like that. But, you know, KISS concerts back at, at the Cow Palace. And, and I could name you all these albums I had. And you know what the Lord told me when I first got saved? Is that music right there is not conducive to your spirit. To the spirit of God that is now residing in you. So what he was telling me was, I had to get rid of all that stuff. And I had, believe me, I had lots of albums and eight tracks Okay? And it pains me to say that I got rid of my eight tracks because and those albums because they would have been worth some money now, right? But here's the thing. To my spirit, I may have been like the 12 disciples and said, forget it. It's not worth it. If I had kept listening to that music, that worldly music that would have bogged me down. See, for me, God told me, nah, you need to get rid of that stuff. And I remember throwing that in a dumpster, throwing albums in a dumpster, and feeling good about it at that time, you know. Uh, it was tough, but, but I had to listen to God. So sometimes we need to clean our house, amen? Listen to what the Lord is telling you. Listen to Him, and you will be blessed for the better, Amen. Prayer and teaching should also begin in our house. If you have children here today, if you have grandchildren here today, and when they come over to your house, are you sharing with them the word of the Lord? Are you sharing them examples of, well, you know, that reminds me of the story in the Bible, or the great story of Joseph, his faithfulness, and on and on and on. There's so many great examples in the word of God, amen, that you can share. Are you teaching that? To your children, to your to your grandchildren, your godchildren, your foster children, you name it. Are you teaching them? Is there anything you need to do today in your house? If Jesus were to show up today at one o'clock, physically walk in your house today? Okay, don't answer that. Just keep that in your mind. Here, number three, they were also given signs of the future. This year, this past year, how many have seen those four blood moons? Uh, raise your hand if you've seen those four blood moons. Now you see, those are signs that are out there. They're not there by accident. How many know that? The Bible says in the last days, there will be signs in the skies, and you will see them. There will be, and not only the signs in the skies, but the events that are occurring simultaneously with those signs are the warnings from the Lord to us that these are the last days. What does that mean? That I need to be scared? No. All it's the Lord is wanting to do is, look, I'm coming, and I'm coming soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's all He wants you to know. He doesn't want you to live in fear. How many know that this morning? He wants you to trust in Him, that God will provide provide for your needs every day, one day at a time. Amen? Amen? The Bible says in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 27, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. 
Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Amen. And I say, come quickly, Jesus, come quickly. In the midst of all that's transpiring during this week, during what's called Holy Week, and a very crucial week of Jesus' ministry, he now began, begins to expound. See, he's teaching this in the temple. He's teaching this. That look for the signs. Look for my coming. And he's beginning to expound to the people that will listen about the events that will precede his coming. See, Jesus is looking beyond the here and now. He's always looking at the future. He's always looking at eternity. He's not just worried about here today. That's the problem with us, with mankind. We're so worried about today that we forget to focus on eternity and the things of eternity. Amen? Amen. Don't get so hung up on today. Oh, what am I going to do? Bart's not working. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Bart's not working. Um, my, my job, they're, they're treating me so terrible at work. I'm going to quit today. Um, I, you know, my friends have deserted me. And on and on and on and on. We can become so worried about today. Don't get hung up on that. The Lord, he, He's going to take care of you. Put your trust in Him. But He's looking at eternity. He's looking at things of eternity. And we need to do the same as well. Focus on the things of eternity. Amen? The fascinating thing about Jesus is that He, com- he simply continues to speak the truth no matter what the situation is. Did you know that he already knew what he was going to face the following Friday when he would be crucified? He already knew what he was going to face, yet he continued to preach the message. He continued to be steadfast, consistent, preach his message. He didn't change for no one. He didn't start panicking. You don't get it, Peter. You don't get it Um, to any of the other disciples. You don't know what's going to happen. He wasn't like that at all. He continued to preach his message. God wants you to continue to be steadfast where you're at. He wants you to keep looking forward. Don't look backwards. Just keep looking forward. Amen? Amen. The Lord always gives us signs right where we live. How many know that? Right where you're at. Right in your, in your living room. He, where, where the rubber meets the road, as they say. He gives you signs. <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us as well. I love that scripture. No matter what you're facing here today, the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever struggle that is, whatever challenge that is, He will never leave you nor forsake you. I've always loved 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. One of my favorite verses. And in the King James it says something like this, that there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will with that temptation provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Or in the NIV it says to endure it. And for many of us here, how many know that God walks with you during that process? He'll take you right to that point where seemingly you can't handle anymore. So again, the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. He walks with us in every area of our life, and I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Then point number four is they plotted to kill Him. Finally, they get to this point where they see the Lord is not 
the Lord that they expected, not the coming king they expected. He's not this economic and political ruler that they wanted, so desperately wanted, as in the past. How many know that Jerusalem had been taken over many times before? Throughout history, it's been, it's been taken over by many different countries, many different groups, and there's always been another king to come and save the day that has come riding into Jerusalem and set the people free. Well, after they started to realize within a few days, wait a minute, this this fellow here, this Messiah, he's not the king that we expected him to be. He's talking this other nonsense about a spiritual kingdom and on and on and on. They began to plot to kill him. See, they didn't want him anymore. They realized, well, no, that's not the Messiah we want. We want this kind of a Messiah. Be careful when you set up a God that you think is the God you need. Be careful with that. God is God, amen? The King of Kings is the King of Kings. He knows what's best for you and I, amen? Amen. He knows what's best. So here, they're plotting to kill him. In Luke, or excuse me, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 20, the scripture says this, But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas, and destroy Jesus. Now I'm skipping a lot that's going on there. Obviously they've arrested Jesus at this point. He's been betrayed by Judas. We don't have time to go into all those details this morning. But Jesus is handed over to the Romans. And they're going, well what do we do with this man? What, what, what laws did he break? And here the multitudes, they've been persuaded to give up a murderer. It's kind of like saying, yeah, give us Charlie Manson and, uh, and you can have Jesus. That's crazy. But that's, that's how blinded these people had become. The devil had blinded the minds of these people that they would believe a lie. You know that there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that states that exact fact. That, that you can be blinded by a lie and, and believe a lie such as these people. They believed a lie. Be careful. Amen? So Pilate said to them in Matthew chapter 27 verses 22 and 23, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. They had made their mind up. Once their minds were made up, it was over. Game over. They had made their minds up. The question here today is, Is your mind made up for Jesus? Is your mind made up forever? And there's no going back? Is your mind made up forever? That's what I want to ask you this morning. No matter what comes your way, no matter what challenges you face, is your mind made up that you will serve a God that loves you? Amen? Let us be careful and walk with the full armor of God every day because the enemy of our soul plots to kill us. And, and we know that. And the point here is not to glorify the enemy, but the point here is that to be aware that you do have an enemy. And we need to be aware of that. And we know that by trusting in the Lord, God got our back. Amen? Amen. He's got our back. So, so this plot here that worked out to seize Jesus at the perfect moment 
without causing an uprising. See, the, the Jewish people, they didn't want to cause an uprising. They didn't want to have an uproar going on. They did it silently, quietly. In the evening, they arrested Jesus, brought him, and put him before the Sanhedrin, brought him before the governor, and so forth. And then he's eventually handed over to Pontius Pilate, then to Herod, then back to Pontius Pilate, who issues this. Because see, nobody wanted anything to do with it. They were all going like this. I washed my hands of this. Because they didn't see any sin in him. They didn't, or they didn't see any laws that he was breaking. And they didn't want to have anything to do with that. That's where they came up with the song, MC Hammer, can't touch this, you can't touch this. Just kidding. All right. So they didn't want to have anything to do with this. And Pilate, who issued the sentence that Jews had requested, and that Jesus is crucified for our sins, Pilate issued that sentence finally. Even though he's, he's shown to be washing his hands, he really declared that sentence and handed it down, and handed Jesus over to be crucified, which is what we're going to talk about next week, about the cross But this morning, again, I just want to remind you that we need to walk putting on the full armor of God each and every day that our thoughts would be protected, that our minds would be protected each and every day. Amen? Here's here's a question. How was it that that the scribes and the chief priests were able to sway the multitudes to reject Jesus from the king at the beginning of that week to to wanting to give him away, to put him to death. How was that? They understood and practiced the manipulative tactics of the people. See, the devil played them. The devil played every one of those people and used them to sway the multitudes. Be careful with what you hear on the news today. Be careful what you hear on even Fox News, CNN, whatever you're listening to. Be careful what you hear. That stuff will sway your thinking and oppose it to what the Word of God says. See, the Word of God endures forever. Everybody say forever. forever. It doesn't change today because somebody came up with a new concept. It remains the same forever. Amen? Amen. What is happening in today's world that would have the potential to draw Christians away? Well, we know that there's many events going on in our world, domestically, internationally, that can cause people to lose faith. And these times are only going to get tougher and tougher. Amen? In Luke chapter 23 and verse 23, the scripture says this, But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and the chief priests prevailed. Whose voice is going to prevail in this last day and age? Is your voice going to prevail? Is the voice of truth going to prevail this morning? If, if it's up to you, let it be so. Let the voice of truth prevail. Don't let the voices of this world drown the truth out. Amen? You need to stand up and be a bold Christian in these last days. You need to stand on the promises of His Word. And in the face of opposition, in the face of, of cultural wars that are going on, See, there's a lot of things going on in cultural wars, but here's the one problem, and it all comes back to this, sin. Sin is the problem in every single instance. It's sin, and we have to remember that. Remember that we have to stay focused on that. And I want to close with this last scripture reading in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. 
Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, it says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Can you stand upon those words and say that? Can you go home today and say that? Can you go home and share that with your family today? That nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. I believe that every one of you here sincerely love God. Every one of you here. I, I know you all and, and, and uh, I know the faith that you profess, the love that you have for our Lord. And I want you to continue that way. As your pastor, I want you to continue steadfast. But be aware, there are voices out there in this world that want to sway you from what you believe in today. That Jesus Christ is the Lord, is the King of Kings, and is coming soon. There are voices in this world that want to sway us from believing in that. Amen? And I want to pray for you this morning. I want to make sure... It's my job as your pastor to make sure you go out with that passion. How, how many like our sign back there? Turn around back there and look at that sign there. What does that sign say? You are now entering the mission field. I've been, it's something on my mind that I've wanted to put out there forever, but we just put that up there today as a reminder that when you walk out these doors, you're actually all missionaries. You're all you're all testimonies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of you. And everywhere you go, out that door, God walks with you. The Lord walks with you. The King of Kings walks with you. You are light into this world wherever you go. And nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take that away from you. Let your light shine before all men, the Bible says. Let your light shine. And as it does... Begin to just share what God's done in your life. You don't have to quote them scripture. If you don't know scripture that well, you don't need to quote them scripture. Just tell them what God's done in your life. And invite them to Easter service next week here. Or, or a church service, whether they're here or another church. The important thing is that people begin a relationship with God. Why? Because He's coming soon. He's coming soon.